So quite excited for today's passage um, uh, as we are continuing this uh, series of faith. It's, it's not uh, actually um, ajeno, like we say in Spanish. I don't think there's even translation, but it, it, it's not like, uh, you know, completely unknown or separated from what's going on in the world. I think like now more than ever, we need faith. Now more than ever, we need uh, that like we're going to talk today about Joseph's faith in the midst of famine and war and how he somehow had the hope in the one who came after him, Jesus. Uh, the ultimate hope, the ultimate dream within the little dreams that he had here on earth, you know. And we're going to uh, really be looking at the little dreams, you know, that, that Joseph had. He had these dreams like at night, but they were dreams of his for the future that were very much relevant for the time that he was to live. But there was something beyond that, meta-historical even, that he was looking into. And we saw in that passage where he said, please bring my bones to that land. Because I know that when my grandfather, great-grandfather Abraham talked about that we will become a blessing to the nations through the seed of Christ. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, just to recap a little bit of what we've been going on. We've been going through this series of faith. For those that haven't come here uh, for some weeks. Um, and uh, we're, we've been looking at scripture. And, and what uh, for the Christian faith. Faith means. Uh, we have looked at many examples. Found on Hebrews 11. The whole fame of faith. Um, and we have been looking at different characters in scriptures from, uh, from Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. And now we're on the seventh teaching looking at Joseph. And I encourage you to go back and uh, listen to the teachings uh, if you haven't done so yet. I have not been the only one teaching, so don't worry about that. Oh, I don't hear Pierre again. No, no, there was, there's been a lot of people just teaching throughout the series. So um, it's been quite encouraging to just um, learn from these different characters. But today we're going to look at Joseph, faith. And we're going to focus on the fact that faith is developed through time and chiseled through different circumstances. Though, as we saw last week, for those that were here, we talked about Jacob and Isaac. We saw last week uh, that the blessing is a gift and not a right, right? The, the sons uh, of, of Jacob and Isaac thought that they were entitled to the greater blessing. But God was like, no, 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 you, you shouldn't be entitled to that. It's something that is given. It's, it's a grace. It's not they have to work for it. But guess what? Faith, it's a bit different. Faith is strengthened through time. It's like muscles in our body are strengthened through holistic influences, right? And what I mean by holistic influences, I mean, think of your muscles in your body. If you just go to the gym, but you don't eat well, those muscles might look kind of good, but they probably are not, you know, or your body, right? But if you eat well, if you have good sleep, and if you go to the gym and you do certain exercises, then your muscles will be strengthened, Right, And so it is with faith. Faith also is a strengthened to holistic influences around us. It's not that one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to plant this church. It just didn't happen from one night to the next one. Faith develops 
Faith is tested. Even Abraham's faith was tested, as we saw, when, 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 when God told him to please sacrifice the very promise he has given him. So we see that, that faith was strengthened. It, it didn't start with Abraham just had a son, a 30-year-old, and then he, uh, God asked him to sacrifice. No, he's already seen God's grace. He's already seen his hand in different areas of his life to the point that his faith was strong enough to say yes. Right? So it's strengthened, it's developed like the muscles in our bodies when we go to the gym. There was holistic influences that allow our muscles, you know, to become stronger, right? Um, but the story of Joseph is quite fascinating. So I was like, you know what? How about I look into some videos? So I went online and then I was like, you know, I don't want to just say the whole story. Like, how about I look for someone that say it well? So I look online. There's nothing for adult, adults. I think the children's always got really good stuff. So I found this children's video that talks about Joseph's uh, story. So I just want you to pay attention to the video. Uh, very important. Pay attention to it. Listen to it. Look at it so that you can get a glimpse of Joseph's story. It's like actually like four or five minutes. It's quite fast, but it's fascinating how they like capture the, uh, the story of Joseph. So, um, yep. Here we go. God's story, Joseph. So part of God's story is about a guy named Joseph. And it begins like this. Once there was a guy named Joseph who had 10 older brothers and one younger one. When Joe was a boy, he was his dad's favorite. In fact, his dad liked him so much better than his brothers that he gave Joe a special gift to prove it. You can imagine this made his brothers jealous. And Joe only made things worse. He told his brothers about dreams he had when he was ruling over them. Well, this made Joe's brothers furious. One day they were working and saw Joe coming. They said, here comes that dreamer. They threw Joe into a dark pit. They might have left him there forever, but they met some men traveling from Egypt and sold Joe to them as a servant instead. They thought that was slightly nicer than leaving him in a pit. Then they went home and told their father Joe had been killed by a wild animal. This broke their dad's heart. Kids, these brothers were really bad news. Selling sibling is never a good idea. Ever. But the Bible says the Lord was with Joe. When Joe was a servant, he worked for a really important rich guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of the whole house. Joe was happy until one day he was blamed for something he didn't do. Potiphar sent him straight to jail. Well, God was still with Joe, even in prison. But God decided that he liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of all the other prisoners. Then God gave Joe special knowledge about dreams. When two prisoners had dreams, Joe knew what they meant. So he told them. Two years later, Egypt's ruler called Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody knew what it meant. But by now, one of the two prisoners Joe had held was out of jail and working for Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh about Joe, and God helped Joe figure out what Pharaoh's dream meant. But Pharaoh's dream was really more of a nightmare. It meant that everybody in Egypt would have food for seven years and be hungry for seven years. Joe told Pharaoh the only way to survive was to store food during the seven good years. Well. Pharaoh thought Joe's idea was brilliant. He put him in charge. During the seven hungry years, nobody could eat without getting food from Joe. 
He was like a human vending machine. Well, remember how Joe had 11 brothers? Like everybody else, they had to get food from Joe. And when they came, they didn't even recognize their brother. But Joe knew who they were. He secretly tested them to see if they changed. After all, they did throw him in a pit and sell him. Finally, he couldn't hide who he was from his brothers anymore. He told everyone to leave the room because he was about to cry. After sobbing for a few minutes, he told them, I'm your brother, Joseph. I'm the one you sold. The brothers couldn't believe it. They hurt Joe, but God had taken care of him during the good times and the bad. Even with everything they had done to Joe, he forgave them because he was willing to follow God, even when it was hard. Joe told them, you planned the harm, but God planned it for good. And God used Joe to save many lives, including the family that was part of God's special rescue plan. And that's the story of Joseph. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Joe was his dad's favorite. His brother sold him. Potiphar put Joe in charge. Joe was sent to jail. The guard put Joe in charge. Pharaoh had a bad dream. Joe told him what it meant. Pharaoh put Joe in charge. Joe's brothers had to come to him for food. Joe forgave them. This was part of God's rescue plan. And that's part of God's story. All right, so you got Joe's story now, hopefully, <laughs> Joseph's story. Um, I love that they did a quick version at the end. So if you kind of like went somewhere in your mind, then it's like, okay, so <laughs> that was good. Um, so anyways, uh, that is Joseph's story. Um, for those that haven't heard his story, um, but I'll just give you a little bit of the biblical background here. Um, so what's going on here is that um, at the end, remember when they came back, right? And then, um, and then after the whole thing happened, when they were already being taken care by, you know, Joseph. Um, this is something that they didn't cover, but it's part of the story. And what happens is that um, the, the father was, was about um, to, was that the father actually passed away. So it's after, right? The, the father has passed away. Um, and then the brothers were afraid that now uh, Joseph might retaliate towards them for the evil the brothers have done to him. Because then, oh, well, our father is not alive, so... What if Joseph comes and retaliates and in vengeance against us? So you can see there's a lot of hate there. Uh, and obviously, um, you know, they were worried about their lives. So they kind of made up this story and, and told Joseph, um, uh, say, they say, please forgive the transgressions. Uh, they said, so your father gave this command before he died. Which is not true. He did not. But they're just saying this to Joseph. And then they say, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please for, uh, forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. So, but as we can see, Joseph has been crying a lot even pr prior to this. So I think God has already been working a lot in his heart throughout the years. Right? There was a humility so then um, Joseph wept when they spoke to him and his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. 
But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So we can see that Joseph's heart, there is no more of that hate of that like, what did they do that to me? And there's a lot of humility and love and care for the brothers now that the father has passed. And then we see after that on verse 24, um, when Joseph's, when now Joseph was telling his brothers to please take his bones to the land that he was promised to their ancestors. And we'll look in that in a little bit. Um, so, as I said, faith is like a diamond. It becomes stronger through high pressure. And we see, through, we see that throughout Joseph's life. You could see right on that video that he was thrown into prison. First, he was thrown into a pit. Then he was taken out and sold. Right? And then he was again put into another pit, like prison for a while. So then we see like there's all these trials that Joseph had to go through. And then we, I believe that those trials are like high pressure points where the faith of Joseph was like a diamond. It became stronger and stronger. If you know diamonds, the strongest uh, precious stone in the world. So, you know, then I, I believe his faith was strengthened through the high pressures of life. Now we're going to look into that. A little more. And, 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 and just to remind you though what faith is. It's a relational trust. It's a, it's, it's a trust that was built in your relationship with God. You know if you, if you trusted God with your future. Then you wouldn't be as anxious about it. Right. Or you wouldn't be as preoccupied. Or as even, even saddened about it. That's just an example. If you did trust him fully. Then you'll be, okay, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I trust you with this situation, right? So trust, trust is that I have faith in God, even if I don't understand what it is. Like the author of Hebrews 11 said, it's, it's, it's that hope that we cannot see, but we still trust. So, um, so faith grows and is strengthened through different circumstances and influences, like diamonds through high pressure. Right? I don't know what's that doing there. Uh, so faith is strengthened through these things. All right? Now, I want you to, to get this fact that I, that I found in my research. So from the birth of... Uh, do you remember when Joseph had a dream about his siblings? And then he had two dreams. One dream where they were bowing down. There were sheaves bowing down around him. And then they had... And then the other dream was 11 stars and the moon and the sun bowing down. Moon and the sun represents father and mom. And the stars represent the brothers. And they were bowing down before Joseph. And Joseph, 17, 16-year-old Joseph, as prideful as he can be, he was and like, hey, look, you know, I had this dream about you. Did you guys bowing before me, right? So there is this dream that we believe it was God-given dream that didn't have anything to do with Joseph but a lot more to do with God. Uh, it wasn't that they were bowing to Joseph and worshiping him. 
Because that's what it was interpreted. And obviously that's what probably Joseph thought. Because he's like, hey, look, you guys are bowing before me, you know. And then the father even chastised him and was like, hey, are you saying that we're going to worship you? You know, what are you talking about? Kind of like, you know, uh, talking hearts towards Joseph at that time. And, uh, and, but then we see, as we saw in the video, that it was God's rescue plan all along because the people were, were not going to have enough food to survive, right? Because there was this famine that came. Um, all right, so that's enough background. Now let's go into the nitty-gritty stuff um, here. And, and why faith, so how faith develops, how faith is strengthened. So here are the, the ways in which we see in Joseph's lives how faith is strengthened. Now, you may be asking, Pierre, but what about that verse which is a kind of um, kind of verse here that talks about um, you know uh, left instructions for them to carry the bones. Like, what does have to do with it? Why did Joseph have that? What you know? What's funny? Why did the author have to talk about that? Why he didn't talk about? Oh, but Joseph had so much faith that. You know, that he was the most powerful person in Egypt, you know, or something like that. Or like, or like, oh, yeah, he provided for his children. But he didn't talk about all the really good movie-like stuff that we saw before. He talked about just this kind of random thing about them taking their bones back into the, uh, into the promised land. And that's the ultimate sort of blessing and, 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 and faith that we should have like Joseph. A faith that looked upon someone. That Jesus that we look upon ourselves. And that's a faith that we want. But we're going to get into it in a little bit. Not yet. Not yet. Getting excited here. Okay. Um, So, faith is strengthened through humility and not pride. So, we see that Joseph received a dream. But rather than waiting on the Lord, he acted in Pride and shared it with his siblings and then with his parents, as we, as we saw. And we saw that his father rebuked him. So we see here that Joseph had a lot of pride. He was a teenage prideful guy, right? And he's like, let me just tell him about this thing, you know. This dream that's going to come and be fulfilled into the future. And Joseph acted in pride. And not only made the situation worse. Because guess what the scripture tells us? It tells us that his siblings already hated him. Because there was favoritism from the father towards Joseph. And now him telling them that. Guess what? They hated him even the more. It, it It made all of this even worse. So that self-centeredly prideful, you know, made all this worse. And, and, and how many times when we might know the blessing that is to come, or perhaps uh, we also act fast, you know, like Joseph. And even at times become self-centered, utilizing that dream to bring glory to ourselves. Or to utilize it for ourselves rather than realizing that if God is about to bring a blessing, it's not for us to use it for ourselves, but to bless others through it. Well, Joseph at the time was moved to pride and self-centeredness. But thankfully, God was not done with Joseph. Even then, God was not done. And even within, in, in Joseph's 
pride, even then God had mercy on him to strengthen his faith in humility. God had a plan for Joseph to humble him and strengthen his faith. Now, if you think about humility, it has a lot to do with faith. Have you ever thought about how both of them are related? Maybe they sound kind of unrelated, yeah? Well, what, what faith has to do with humility to being humble and learning? It has a lot to do with humility. I'll give you a, an example. You know, when let's say that we are, you know, not, not random because a lot of us have been through this situation. But let's, let's, let's think about we are praying for a job. And then all of a sudden, we pray and we have faith and we struggle, you know, all of us struggle in faith like the psalmist. And then all of a sudden, we wait, we wait. And I have gone through that. Asia has gone through that. A lot of us have gone through that. You know, like we, we pray, we wrestle with God. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get that job. It's amazing. It's incredible. Right. And maybe it was better than we ever thought at times. It can be a job. It can be a relationship. Maybe you liked someone and then all of a sudden... God closes the door, you cry like a crazy person, but then you met someone that you know you're going to marry, or you're already married, you're like, mm, I see you, God, I see you, God, I see why you didn't want me to do that, even though at the time I was very mad at you, but now I know why, right? So that we see that, but then that is, a, the, the selfishness of women, the selfishness of men, is that, that we, we become self-centered, because guess what? We get the blessing, but then we don't bless and that's what Joseph did. He got the blessing and then he blessed other people. You see what's going on here? That is humility because, because the thing is that we become prideful and we become, we become hoarders of that dream, of that relationship. Rather than strengthening the relationship, you make it worse. Rather than strengthening uh, your economy through that uh, job, you hoard that. You're not willing to give or whatever it might be. That God has given you. From a relationship to your talents. I mean you have a talent. But then you use it for profit. Maybe God wants to use it for the kingdom. A talent that you might have. Your time. Your treasures. What is it? But that's the pride. The pride is like me, me, me. Let me save for myself. Let me use that talent that I may get money. That I may buy a car or a house or that I may be secure financially. Let me, you know, let me get that relationship so I can feel loved rather than and hoard that relationship, rather than sharing that love with other people through the, through the development of that relationship or that friendship. Then we hoard that stuff. Our time, our time, we utilize it to self-loathe and Netflix and, 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 and Star Wars and stuff like that. You know, like, and then it's like, well, maybe we should have gone and do pickleball and talk to these people that might not know about Jesus, but you know what? I just want to stay because it's raining and when it's on Netflix. Hey, that's the that's reality. And that's, that's not humility because humility looks outside of self. Humility is like, you know what, God? You're, you're teaching me here something. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to give. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to use my time for this. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to use my treasures for that. For the kingdom of God. We talk about this word. How we prayed about it. We talk about these things. How we give to the poor. We just talk. Because New Yorkers here love to talk. And then we like to also do the same. Because there's a culture of New York City. We like to complain and say things. But then how about we do? That is prideful. 
It's prideful to always think of self. And that's what happened with Joseph. He was prideful. He was like, look, look, brothers, look, you brothers, I'm the favorite one. I got the little nice jacket. And guess what? Now you're going to worship me. <laughs> How about that? Even worse, you hate me, hate me even more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there is no humility in that. Even though God has given him a glimpse of the dream of that fulfillment, even then he utilizes it for self-loathing and self-worship. That is the opposite of humility. There's even a verse that we find in James 4 that it says that God opposes the pride and what? What? Yep. He gives grace to the humble, right? He gives grace to the humble. God opposes, hates the pride. Now, if you said, Piero, that's like really good stuff that you're talking about. Talk, tell me something very tangible. from There it is. God opposes the pride. God hates the prideful. Even in the Old Testament, we see that. But he gives grace. He gives a gift of undeserved grace to the humble. So, in, so how is our faith developed and strengthened in humility? That is how it's strengthened. In humility, not pride. And we see that in Joseph's life. Now, it's not just in humility and, 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 and not pride, but it's also through circumstances in our lives. It's both in suffering and joyful circumstances, both in adverse and positive circumstances. The Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. Regardless of the circumstance, I think he mentions it about three to four times. I'm going to talk about two specific times here. But we see that in ad adverse circumstances like what? When he was thrown into the pit, when he was then thrown into the prison, and he was unjustly, what? Accused. Unjustly accused for something he didn't even do, and then he's put into prison. Talk about like resentment. Talk about like level of unforgiveness when it comes to his siblings talk about the level of unforgiveness and resentment he might have gone i hate my siblings why they've done this to me and then oh that person oh i hate her because she talked and then even god he could have been like but god i was doing the right thing because what happened at potiphar's house is like that he the the, the potiphar's wife wanted to to have sex with 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 joseph but joseph flee from the temptation told him no this is not a God thing. And then she got mad and she was like, oh, you know what? You're the servant that you love, the servant that you brought into the household. He has been wanting to rape me. And guess what? He was thrown unjustly into prison because of something good that he was doing. How, talk about resentment. Very adverse circumstance into prison. Now, there's this fact that from the birth of Joseph's God-given dream, that is the, the, the two dreams that he got, maybe around 16, 17 year old, in the pride, and he shared it, right? So, it, from the birth of Joseph's God-given dream until its fulfillment, when we see that the siblings come for food and they bow down before him, and even the, fa the, the father and the mom, they bow no knowing that it was Joseph, knowing that thinking that it was an authority from Egypt, that because they bowed because of respect, because they needed the food to survive, right? Guess how many years about, it took up, 
from, from that to that moment, scholars, you know, it says about 22 years, maybe more, but about 22 years from when he got the vision to when it was fulfilled. And guess what? About 13 of those years, he's probably spent it as a slave or in prison. 13 of those years, he most likely spent it as a slave or as a prisoner. And then he was put into like authority and all that the last 12 years. Just the fact of how faith can be developed. So we see that there is suffering, there is joyful circumstances. How? Because we see that on Genesis 37, 12 to 36, it says that Joseph was sold by his brothers. Joseph was sold by his brother, but, verses 12 to, uh, to, uh, on, on, on chapter 39, verses 2 to 3, it says, but, quote here, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master, and his master, that's Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. He was sold by his brother, adverse circumstance, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, in the Old Testament, there is this, uh, it just comes, it's not in my notes, but there is this word called humility. I think it's Sana on the, on the Hebrew. But when, when I remember taking the class, and I don't know if you know this verse on Amos, when he takes like, and, and, and he says like, but you must uh, uh, love, sacrificial love, do justice, and walk humbly with your God. That word humbly, I believe is the word Sana. And that word humbly, it is, it, it is, it is directly or very related to walking closely with God. That the word of humble has a relationship in the Hebrew with walking closely with God. The humble walk very close to God. They're very close to the heart of God. There is a relationship between the humble. And if you think about it, if, if God opposes the pride, but then he gives grace to the there is a closeness with God in walking with God. And so we see that in humility, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. So though there was this adverse circumstance, we see that. But then we see this here. Joseph was unjustly put in prison. Genesis 39 verses 1 to 23. And he says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. That's a word chesed, which means sacrificial love. We always need to translate this word, one word in two, because it's really hard to translate. Because it's like a very sacrificial love. That means that you will give your life for another, basically. That's what the word chesed means. So he said, the Lord was just with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the keeper of the prison, and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it, says the scripture on chapter 39, verses 21 to 22 in the book of Genesis. So, you see, adverse circumstance, but then there was a joyful, positive outcome. All along, the faith of Joseph was being strengthened through his life. He was strengthened like, oh, I'm walking with the Lord. The Lord is with me. 
You know, even when I was in, put in prison. Because guess what? Joseph was sold by his brother and then the Lord was with Joseph. But then guess what? They put him in prison. It's not like, oh, from now on, everything will be good in life. You know, sometimes we think like that. Maybe Joseph thought, oh, I'm set for life. You know, I'm in Potiphar's house. I, I got, he put me in charge of all of these. He really likes me. I'm a friend. But then all of a sudden, boom, put him in prison again. Yeah, the Lord was with him, but then, boom, put him in prison. You might be like, hey, you know, like, I, I thought we were cool, you know. I thought we were friends here. Why, why are you, like, putting me in prison again? I don't understand. And that's life. But Joseph remains steadfast. He has already seen God's hand at Potiphar's. He was like, you know what, maybe God has a plan, even when I'm put into prison. Because it's not about the hands of God, but about the face of God, remember? It's not what we can get from God, but it's why, who we are with in that relationship. That's about all about Christianity. So, so okay. So I think we're getting both in suffering joyful circumstances. Through that, think, think of it as a diamond. That's like... Being on high pressure underground, right? Or like, or like the gold through fire to be cleansed, right? Like, ah, but then become strength. Like, that's where, he, where Joseph was going through the circumstances. Whatever circumstances we might face, adverse or positive, is always a strengthening of our faith. Now, we also see that our faith is strengthened through humility through circumstances that are adverse and joyful and positive, but also through the fulfillment of God-given dreams. Through the fulfillment of God-given dreams. First, we see that Joseph rises to power, right? We see that it's God is already fulfilling Joseph's dream of him becoming someone important. Because that... that um, Dream that was given by God, but he was prideful about that the brothers and the, the parents were bowing down. That, that means not that they were worshiping. It just simply means that, okay, there is something about authority that he has. Maybe political, not necessarily spiritual. It doesn't have to be spiritual authority, but political power, economic power. So there is that starting of that fulfillment. Oh, you know, he rises to power. Basically, he's the right hand of Pharaoh. Let's say, let's think of Pharaoh of the U.S., you know, it's just like the most uh, fruitful and rich country at that time in the known world. At this time, Egypt was, and we know this by, and we know this by history, right? History tells us that Egypt was this prosperous country, and he has this prosperous, this was on the time when Egypt was that. Guess what? Joseph became an authority, even, even administering this. So Joseph administers the food for Egypt and the surrounding regions. So first, Joseph first rises into power through interpreting Pharaoh's seven years of, remember the, on the video, the very skinny cows and then the back, you know, the, no, well, the, the fat cows and then the really skinny cows, which meant seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, right? And then he interprets that then... What happens? Joseph's like, no, the Pharaoh was like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Let me put him into charge of all these things. So we see that. And then Joseph's brothers go to Egypt. And, bow, and finally, the, that there's a fulfillment of that, right? So then we see that 
through the fulfillment of God-given dreams, a progressive fulfillment in Joseph's life, increase his faith that God is up to something here. God is with me. God is doing something. I've seen my adverse circumstances. Now I'm seeing the positive outcomes. What's going to happen? What about with my brothers, my siblings, my parents? But what does that mean? But it's coming, right? Now, now, we see that Joseph at the end, he was blessed to be a blessing. He didn't hoard what he had. It was through that dream that he was able to, what? To accumulate on the, on the Silas, you know, all of this like food for the known world at the time so that they do not go hungry, right? Joseph's dream after 22 years is finally fulfilled, but no longer as a prideful man, but one that has walked closely with the Lord in humility, We can see how Joseph has been greatly blessed even to become the second in command in Egypt, the greatest country at the time. But Joseph knew that the blessing that was given by God was not to keep to himself, but rather we knew he was blessed in order to bless others. He was blessed to be a blessing. He wasn't blessed to keep it to himself, like a lot of countries nowadays do, right? It's all about our ethnicity and are, you know, and us advancing and getting all of this land and, and getting all of political power. But Joseph was not about political power. He was about, we're going to save this food so that we can try to give it to the ones that are in need, to the ones of the surrounding countries, right? If it wasn't for him interpreting the dream, then people would have died of starvation. Maybe the Israelites would have died. The whole ethnicity would have died. And if there is no Israel, there is no Jesus, there is no Jesus, there is no hope for the world. God had a plan through Joseph that he can feed the nations at the time through physical food. But eventually it could be a holistic food through Jesus. So it was through him that the Hebrew people and much of the rest of the world was able to be fed in the midst of a severe famine He knew somehow, even, even it is so severe that even the father had to go. Even the family had to travel because it was that severe. People just don't leave. They don't have cars and planes at that time. You have to go and, and, and do a long travel. It's tedious. It's not nice. It's, for someone to do that, it has to be like something really bad. If you think about the people across the border in the U.S. that don't have any food where they're from and they, they go through... All of this stuff just to get here so they can get food and then feed their families back home. Yeah, that wasn't an easy kind of travel, right? As people travel to get the food, right? So we see that here too. So God was going to come through in his promises. So we see that, uh, that it was because of him that people was fed, the Hebrew was fed. He knew somehow that regardless of the difficult circumstances, God was going to come through in his promises. We can see then when he declared to his brothers the following after they have come to bow down to him to ask for food, not knowing they were bound before their brother. You, we see right on verse 19 to, to 21, it says, But Joseph said to, their, to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. 
Right? Remember that verse. So he knew like, okay, yes, you did all of this. But even then, God, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. There is something beyond the evil that happens in your life. That is in God's grandest plan. And he had the ability through looking into the farther promise in Jesus to forgive his siblings, to love his siblings, to cry for them, to provide financially for them, freely doing that, giving them land, using his power to fed them, to love them, to provide for them. We see that he does that selflessly. So we see that our faith is strengthened through humility and not pride, through the circumstances that are adverse or positive, through the fulfillment of God-given promise that we see here how his Faith was strengthened. But finally, we see that our faith is fully strengthened through the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise in Christ Jesus. And that's what the author of Hebrew was getting at on that verse. Remember that verse? We, you know, he just throws that because he's talking to the Hebrews. The Hebrews already know the story. He doesn't have to tell the story to them. Because that letter was to the Hebrews. That's why it's called Hebrews, right? Hebrews, book, book of Hebrews. Um, so all the people that are reading these have a background of the stories. And then he just, boom. You know, he just, he just says, he just says on Hebrews eleven twenty two By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Because as we know historically, right after that, the people that stay in Israel because of Joseph, they became slaves because other pharaohs who did not remember Joseph came and started enslaving and punishing the Israelites. And then there was the exodus that happened where they went into the promised land. So we know that historically. But we see that through Joseph's God-given dream was fulfilled in Joseph's life. And that he was a blessed to be a blessing. And the author of Hebrews tells us that epitome of his faith is found at the end of his life. He chose to talk about Joseph's last breath. He did not talk about all the movie-like stuff that we saw before that are worth of a movie, right? All that really crazy adventure stuff that happened to him. He did not choose intentionally to talk about that. But he talked about the last breath. About him making sure that his bones are carried to that place. That was promised to his father, to his grandfather, and to his great-grandfather. He had the faith. Now, at that time, he had the faith that though I don't see it, I want to be present. Even if my bones are want to be present to that which the Lord has promised. That through us, the nations will be blessed. On that place called Israel, historical Israel, that place, the nations will be blessed. And that descendant of his was Jesus. Right? So, he gave orders in faith to carry his bones to the land that was promised to his ancestors and will be given to their descendants where they will become a blessed nation so that out of her they may become a blessing to the other nations through Christ Jesus. Now all have access to God. Like Paul said, there is no slave, there is no, what? 
There's no woman, man, ethnicity, Greek, Hebrew, anyone. All of the world have access now to God. Paul said that in the New Testament. And, and, and then we see that through Christ Jesus, then they will, they will become a blessing to other nations. Now all have access to God as now Christ has become the bridge that we may now enter into the very promise we have in Christ Jesus. All on Genesis 12, chapter 3, the last part of that chapter, when God was talking to Abraham, uh, an ancestor of Joseph, he said, all the people of the earth shall be blessed through Israel. All the people, all the families of the earth. And now they become a blessed to be a blessing. Joseph in faith knew to look ahead to God's ultimate promise and fulfillment in Christ Jesus. I forgot to put it here, but it's right here. Joseph could not have endured the tribulation of his soul. This is very important because if he didn't have that ultimate faith, all the little faiths that he had in his life would have been worthless. All the stuff that happened just for that little dream to be fulfilled when the siblings will come and worship him, not worship him, but bow down in respect for that they can get food from him. That is just a minor dream. It was about the bigger dream. It was about the promise, the faith that he held on to at the last of his breath. To see his dreams being fulfilled unless he held onto the promise of one day becoming a nation that would ultimately bless the rest of the world in Christ Jesus. As prophesied in Genesis as well as later on by the prophets. Let me repeat that again and with this we'll go to the reflection. Joseph could not have endured the tribulations on his own. Tribulations I mean the hardships that he went. The unforgiveness. The prison. The being blamed when he was not at fault. All that bad stuff. He would not be able to endure that. And that's what the, the author of Hebrews is saying. Joseph could not have endured the tribulations on his own to see his dreams being fulfilled unless he held on to the promise of one day becoming a nation that would ultimately bless the rest of the world in Christ Jesus as prophesied in Genesis as well as later on by the prophets. That's why the author of Hebrews refers to the ultimate faith, object of his faith, as being beyond his little dreams at the last. Why did he have to ask? Usually when you're about to die, you ask for something very, 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 very important to give into a legacy. And that's the very thing he asked for. Without faith in Jesus, all the little stuff, all the little dreams are worthless. You won't be able to endure them because it's by grace. Because otherwise you're doing all of these things through work. So, let's reflect. I'm just going to have these questions out here for a few. For you to reflect. For you to write down some certain things on your phone, on your journal. We did a group one last week. This week... Do it on your own with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give a couple minutes with each question. And I want you to reflect. But first let me pray. Holy Spirit come. I pray you will reveal your word to every single person. Even if, if they have not yet confessed faith in Christ Jesus. I pray that your conviction will come. As their hearts become ready for it.
Lord, I pray for those of us that have believed but struggle in our faith. We put faith in our own ingenuity. We put faith in our own, Lord, resources, in our own talents, in our own time, in our own treasures for ourselves, for our own people, for our own family, for our own ethnicity, for the ones we know. But we don't do much in faith, Lord, to you. Because you have given yourself on the cross so that we might be full in you. Now our sin, our selfishness, our pride is erased because of what you've done. You have done what we could not do on our own. You were sacrificed so that we didn't have to sacrifice ourselves. So we pray for, for you to bring conviction on these things. That our faith may be strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen.